everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. It's Jen Hatmaker. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. Super glad to have you here today, especially for this series that is so strong, uh, filled with so many amazing women. We're in a series called For the Love of Women Who Built It. And there's just no shortage of women who are slaying in their careers. They're building amazing spaces in business and in ministry and in culture. And they are smart and they are talented. They have so much to teach us. And so um, I have a friend on today who I love and believe in so much. It's Joe Saxton. And this is one of the best leaders of leaders that I know. Joe, she's a leadership trainer. She's an international speaker. She's an author, very, very passionate about seeing women sort of live into their full potential. And so first of all, Joe um, is the child of Nigerian immigrants who grew up in the UK. So you're welcome in advance for her beautiful and lovely accent. You're going to love it. Um, and she's going to talk a little bit about her story and how her childhood has really shaped um, her adulthood, like it does for all of us. Um, she's if for anybody who's ever been lucky enough to undergo leadership training with her, she has this amazing system, um, of either helping those who are already leaders or those who are pursuing leadership by empowering them to lead from the inside out. That's what she calls it. And, um, and she's naturally gifted at this. She is smart and wise and discerning. And she just, she takes this raw material of, of lives and helps, helps form it into just something absolutely amazing. So she is a speaker everywhere. She's been, she's spoken at a million different things and an author. She's a podcaster and she chairs the board of an international discipleship discipleship organization called 3d movements. And she's on the advisory board for today's Christian woman. I mean, Joe's everywhere you guys. And she is just a good friend and a loyal friend and an encouraging friend. She's one of my friends um, that empowers me and encourages me behind the scenes almost more than anyone I know. Um, so everything she says is the real deal. She is exactly who she claims to be. Um, and I, I love her and I value her and I think she's really important to our culture right now. So this is a great conversation, by the way, you guys, there's so many nuggets that you might need to have a pen and paper in hand. Um, the way that she talks about, um, empowerment and identity and courage is just it is so good. You are going to love this conversation. So it's my delight to welcome to the podcast, Joe Saxton. Good morning, dear friend. Hi, how are you? I'm happy to have you on this podcast. Really happy. Yay. Good times. I know this is just, this is a big season for you. It's an exciting season. It's a lot of work yes, that's kind of culminating right now. And it's just fun to watch it. Aww. Talk about this week a little bit. You, this one's going to come out just a hair later, but your book has just released. Yes, so like t- tell everybody just kind of about this week. We're going to get into your book in earnest, but mm. um, just what it's like to release a book these days. It's bananas, right? It's a little surreal because on the launch day, like, like my husband woke up and he said, happy launch day. And I'm like, 
Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll just make some coffee like always. I know. The school yeah. run is a school run. And then there's 11 yeah. inches of snow that dump it in our oh. neighborhood. And so it's a school, it's a snow day. And, and we don't have, oh, it's sure. Minnesota, but we don't normally have snow days because we're hard. And we're, <laughs> and 11 inches is nothing until that day. So the kids are like slightly crazy and everything. And I'm like, happy launch day to me. Yes, this is wonderful. Thanks. Thank you very much. I feel so meaningful. Yeah. I am dying. Do you know that if it dumped 11 inches in Texas, I, I'm, I hand to the heavens, we would shut down for the month of January. <laughs> like we just, we can't, we cannot deal in any capacity, but that is true. You're up in the tundra yeah. where, I mean, you probably don't hardly get snow days. No, we don't. We, um, and in our, our school district, it almost prides itself. You know, I literally oh, got yeah. an email saying that, that it's only a snow, it's a snow day for cold when it's like minus 40 or below. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. They mean business. They mean business. I can't. You know, I have a picture of you. You sent it to me, I think, last year. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? You text it to me. <laughs> you're just you're so buried in coats and scarves that all I can really see is the center circle of your face. It's I have it saved. It's amazing. Um I'm so excited for it. You know I love your book. I've Thank read you. it cover to cover. I I just love you and I love your voice. I love the space that you've carved out. And um you're just you're you're an encouragement to me in a really unique way way in a special way that not a lot of women in my life occupy the same exact, um, space. And I think I said something to that effect, uh, when I endorsed your book, which was basically like, I know that you are living the message of this book because you text me some (laughs) version of it every single week. (laughs) This, this, you can do it. And this is it. And I mean, really it is, you're, you're very, very gifted, not just at leadership, but, um, at encouragement. And so I would love for you just for a minute before we dive into it, just to talk about sort of your passion that you have for affirming not just your friends. I know it's, it's way broader than that, but, um, all the women you come to, where did this encouragement bug come from? How did you learn to be such a good cheerleader? Um, uh, well, first of all, thank you. It's very kind of you to say, um, I think a couple of reasons, I think probably the absence of, <laughs> um, and seeing the, sometimes you're impacted by what you don't have. And, and, um, and it's not that I never had it, but I, I, I think I grew up in, in circumstances which were quite challenging and quite vulnerable. Um, and I think in that environment, I wasn't sure if I was okay. Do you know what I mean? I just wasn't sure if I, as a person, as a child was okay and often felt very disposable. Um, and, and, and I'm not even saying anybody was to blame for that. I think it was just the perfect storm of family breakdown, foster care, things like that. Um, that left me with that kind of, um, am I all right then or what kind of thing? And, um, and the can you ta- can you unpack that just a teeny bit? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Tell the listeners a little bit about your background and your story. Yeah, um, so I'm a Nigerian Londoner. So my parents are Nigerian, moved to England in the 60s. I was born in London, uh, raised in London, but my parents' marriage broke down, um, like many, like many did. But the, mm. our circumstances were such that I ended up in foster care as a baby mm. until I was about six years old. Yeah. And I had an amazing, amazing foster mother, wonderful woman, um, complete outlier, out of the box, crazy lady in that she okay. um, she was about 70 when she fostered us. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I remembered that. Oh, no. She was, she was wow. 
And um, and she had basically started fostering during World War Two with evacuees in England um, during the Blitz. I mean, it's just like we span this wow. crazy amount of history in our family. And totally. um and and she just carried on. She just kept on going. Mm. And my brother and I um, were probably the some. Well, we we were near the end because I think they were trying to retire her by, by that point. <laughs> and she like kind of may let it go. And um, she fostered about a hundred kids. Wow. At a time. And so she was this wonderful, quirky kind of environment mm. of security in um, the early years of my childhood. And one wonderful, wonderful woman. And and again, for me, it was it was a really positive experience. So I didn't actually think of it as that much of a big deal. But equally, there were certain obvious things. We were black kids. Everybody else around us was white. Right. Um, right. And uh, and so the there were certain like the racism in the neighborhood and from time to time would kind of come our way. Um, mm. And so there was there was a kind of legacy of thinking do I fit, you know, am, sure. do I fit? And am I, am I enough? Am I too much? Was, were questions I started early with, but I was struck by that. Like I had some really, really good teachers at school, my mm. English literature teachers who were like my cheerleaders. And they mm. would sit me down when I was 12 and say, you know, you can write, right. You know that you could do this. And they would love that. give me more, expect more of me, um, challenge me to more because they saw it. And it just was fuel to my fire, you know? And, mm. and so I think by the time I got to my twenties, um, I think I'd, be I'd begun to feel like the transformative impact of encouragement. I think yes. I would say. Um, and so I've always wanted to cheer people on and mm. affirm and, and people would often talk to me about competition. And I thought, well, before competition happens, I'm going to make friends. That's how I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do this. And, um, what I had a friend of mine who'd said she'd made a decision cause she'd had so much pain from people competing with her that she would always make a habit. Um, Susie Brock, her name is wonderful woman. Um, mm. she would always make a habit of encouraging people. And I thought that is just such a class I thing. I thought, Susie, I'm copying you. That is what, what I'm going to do. And, and it served me well ever since in terms of, um, in terms of what I do, I guess. Yeah. It's what, it is exactly how you are. You are precisely like that. I love that um, principle. And I think that's so much God in you too. And it, it, it serves dual purpose, honestly, because not only do us, the recipients of your encouragement, just feel so uh, nourished and nurtured and 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 built up, but it's good for our own hearts. It's yeah. good for our own souls. Like um, when we choose uh, collaboration over competition, mm -hmm. it starts to change us. It really does, and and I think it the fruit of it shows us that um, there's enough to go around. You know, we're not living in a world of scarcity when it comes to women's leadership for crying yeah. out loud. I mean, we need a thousand more women oh leaders yesterday. Oh my goodness. Yesterday. Uh, so yeah. speaking of that, speaking of, of, of women in leadership. So obviously this series, which I love, we're talking to women who have built things, yeah. who've built amazing spaces and, and kind of how they got there. And so, you know, that, that runs the gamut for some women. It's, it was a great idea, you know, like a product based idea. Sometimes it's just grit and determination. Sometimes it's this sense of spiritual calling, right. Yeah. Um, and paired with a charismatic personality, just a whole host of things, mm -hmm. um, bring women into leadership spaces. So you have a unique role, I think, in working with women other women too, who have built it, um, or are just starting to build something or want to build something. Uh, you, mm -hmm. you sincerely help women who feel stuck, mm 
who are yeah. feel like they are not progressing or they don't know how to get started um, or they can't get over their history or their past mistakes. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about how you train women to lead from the inside out, which yeah. is what you say, mm-hmm. um, by kind of... I love your approach, obviously, because in our faith, this is just the the, the path toward transformation. But by ba- basically diving really, really deeply inside um, yeah. to maximize their potential, can you talk about that a little? Yeah, yeah, and I and I think again for me, I think it grew out of what I observed and what I ex- experienced. In that, I realized for me as I was growing up and various things had hit me in life, they would always knock my confidence, they'd knock my courage. Um, and, and it was only as I became more whole that I was able to lead, you know, like as my teachers say, encourage mm. me or mentors encourage me, things became possible. And, you know, for the first, in fact, probably until I came to the States and I came to the States at 30. So for the first 10, mm-hmm. 15 years of me leading, I actually didn't lead women at all. I was mainly mm. working with men. And for much of the time, and that was fine. It really was. But what I found was in those conversations and in those environments when I was speaking, I'd often have this line of women at the end or I'd meet a woman crying in the bathrooms. And mm. she would be crying, not out of sometimes out of frustration, sometimes out of pain of thinking, I just know there's something in me, but there's no one helping me get it out. Wow. I um or how did you how were you able to do what you do or why do you feel confident about doing what you do and what about people who say you shouldn't do what you do or and all these sorts yep. of things and because I don't feel especially angsty about it I just feel I'm getting on with with what I'm what I'm designed for really. Yeah. And um and so I think it began out of in I think I began to get slightly aggravated in the healthiest possible sense of just seeing again mm. and again so many women of again across the theological spectrum mm-hmm. who um who were passionate who had dreams and ideas and it could go from their community to their churches a business mm-hmm. and they were always stuck by something internal it was never that they didn't have the skills Jen it was never that That's they right. didn't have the qualifications they had way more qualifications than most but mm. but I've what I've observed is if in their mind minds they don't think they can do it they won't even try that's true if, and if and if also if they don't feel it's going to be perfect they won't even try because they often feel we often feel that we are representing everybody everybody mm, that if is we a make great mistake, point you know if we make the mistake who else goes down on account of this mm. um who else goes down if i don't work out what it means to um to lead well and and, and I can't make mistakes. I can't. And that kind of pressure will numb you. <laughs> that kind of pressure for, for perfection will mute your voice. I really like that point. I think that's really interesting. Um, and obviously painting with a wide brush. But if you sort of look at um, the demographic that's male dominated, it seems to me that they they don't share our crippling insecurities. Um, they were built and taught from the day they were born that they were going to be yeah. leaders and they were going to succeed and they were going to be in charge. Yeah. So, you know, if they wobble a little bit, so what? The odds are in their favor. But I hear what you're saying for women who are still, still, for crying out loud, carving out our spaces yeah. and pulling up seats to this, to this table, that it's true. I have felt that in my life, that if I do not absolutely nail this with excellence, it's going to be an indictment on women in leadership. Yeah. It's going to be an indictment on women in church leadership specifically. Um, so I, I think you make a really, really fine point um, that we've, we've kind of got a, an extra strike against us. I think when we start out, I think, how do you coach people through yeah. that? Like, what would you tell that woman mm. who is kind of frozen, absolutely capable, 
resourced, smart, yeah. able, but frozen. Yeah, I, there are a number of things. First of all, I'd, I'd, because the other thing I've noticed and when I gather women together is that everybody feels they're the only one who feels like that and mm. that it must be a slamming indictment on their weakness and character. So mm. the first thing I remind them of is, you know, you look at the world around you. How many times have you seen women doing the things that you're passionate about? And if it's not often, it's no wonder you're questioning it if it's okay. You know, mm. you, you're left... Um, the guys in our lives can often assume things because they've seen these visual affirmations of it again and again. And, and rightly so, actually. I'm yeah. really happy that they have those visual affirmations. I think sure. it's wonderful. What I would encourage is that we all need it. <laughs> yes. And Right. We don't want to steal from oh. everybody else, but rather just raise the bar for us all. Absolutely. And raise the yeah. level of opportunity for us all. Yes. And I, I think what I've what um what I came down to, I remember reading um Marion Wright Edelman, and she was actually writing about children, but it hit me in relation to kids and for women at, at, as a whole, where she says you can't be what you can't see, and, um, hmm. and if you don't see Good. it, you wonder if if you're kind of if there's something wrong with you something presumptuous, something arrogant about you for wanting hmm. it in some way. I think women have a complicated relationship with ambition anyway. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about that for a second? I, I think that is such an interesting truth. And yeah. I wonder what, what you find, because your, your work is interesting. You, you work with leaders in all sorts of spectrums, yeah. in business, yeah. in church, yeah. in faith, out of faith, all, you know, you're kind yeah. of across the board. Yeah. Do you think that, do you see a disproportionate uh, resistance to ambition in the Christian world for women? Or do you see that across the board? Because Christian women are very much mm-hmm. sort of taught implicitly and explicitly to be docile and and subservient in a lot of ways. And I, I find that, you know, I'm an Enneagram three. And yeah. when I said that out loud, a, a bunch of people in my community were like, oh my gosh, thank you for saying that. I didn't know that we were allowed to be ambitious. Yeah. Um, in the Christian world. I would love to hear your opinion on that. Yeah. No, I think it, what I've seen in the in professional spaces, in the marketplace, as it were, there is a growing, I think there's just far more awareness and att- well, I, or attention paid. I think that would be a better, hmm. better phrase. Attention paid to what does it look like to elevate women's voices and opportunities, mentoring programs, hmm. sponsorship schemes, things like that. Hmm. So sometimes the women I'm working with in those contexts are helping them just unpack and unravel some of the internal life things that have prevented them propelling forward and saying, say yes to that opportunity. Say yes to that sponsoring thing. Hmm. Put your hand up. Elevate your voice. Elevate your sister's voice. And that isn't the predominant okay. conversation I have. But the more more common conversation I have is a sense of, so what exactly am I allowed to do? Mm, what, what, wow. what exactly am I allowed to be? And if I yes. am rocking it in the workplace, how do I take all that I am and live it here? And I, I don't, hmm. I don't want to put anybody out. I don't really want to get it wrong, but I don't know what getting it right hmm. looks like. And wow. I don't have any environments um, to, know, to try it out, to test it out. Um, I don't have any, who are the, who are my mentors? Who are my, um, leaders? Who are the people that show me a bit of a pathway to eat? Even if I, even to explore it and say, it's not for me, I don't see, I don't have that either. Mm. Um, and I, and I think that, that, that confusion tends to mute ambition anyway, because you don't know what to want. 
Totally. I, I, it, when you, when you don't see sort of a, a clear paver stone for your next step, you're not exactly yeah. sure how to move forward. I, how do you coach those women specifically like in, in spiritual environments? How do you, yeah. how do you lead them? Because interestingly for you, at least as a coach is that women are coming to you as you've mentioned across the theological spectrum, specifically when yeah. it comes to women in leadership. Um, yeah. and so I, I'm curious to hear how you sort of, um, encourage those women and lead them. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's a, it, it's a process and it's a, it can be a challenging one because I think you're tapping into so many things. And the first thing I often, I, de- I like to identify with a woman is, is say, what do you feel the issues are? And, and often people will say, I want to find my voice again, <laughs> or I've mm. lost my voice. And I don't, yes. you know, um, this space says I can't be this. And this space yes. says I should be this. So, and, and again, across the board, it can be a challenging conversation. And, and my, I see my, my role as to say, you know, I actually believe you have a mind of your own <laughs> and I believe that you can theologically work this out. And, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to voice back your questions to you and help you process this, not decide this for you, because actually in the, it's like the, the illustration I like to use is of, um, the butterfly in the cocoon. And, and when you want to unwrap the cocoon, it actually weakens the butterfly and they can't fly because they need the wrestling process to actually gather the strength um, good. to break out. And I, and so for me, the coaching process is like that. I'm not here to say, this is what you need to think about women. Yes. This is what you need to think about leadership. This is what you need to think about anything. Because I found in my earlier, younger years, when I did that, it backfired. <laughs> and mm. I, and, and it, because you, because you're just imposing thoughts on people rather than encouraging their own walk with the Lord. So what I do is, is I say, okay, what are the key things? And, and then I ask questions of what, what, what were the gifts you feel that you have? What have you, what have you done well that you were proud of in the healthiest sense of the word? Um, ah, yes. I, I say, what are the environments hmm. you feel around? What are the environments you see around you? And we often identify, um, we often identify a number of things. The environment that they're in, is it an encouraging one? Is it a silent one? Because a silent mm-hmm. one can accidentally be non-encouraging. Um, Interesting. Is it, um, is it an aggressive one, a competitive one? I, we are, we, I ask about the opportunities and I ask what they articulate as well. Do people know that you want more opportunities? Things like Great that. Point. And then I ask about some of the life hurts and say, you know, because some conversations are beyond what I do. And I say, you know, do you need to see a counsellor? Mm-hmm about this. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that even having that conversation to that point is enough because to say that experience you had is important mm-hmm. enough for you to go and see someone. Um, mm. What has this process done to your health, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, that sort of thing. Those things. Are- I think that's so important. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like that line of thinking because I think sometimes when it comes to um, women with um, a drive to build something, yeah. the focus is so just innately on the thing, yeah. on the mechanics of the yeah. building, on the end goal, the um, systems, the the process, um, the structures we're going to put in place, and ultimately on its success. That there, we just skip right over that really, really important part um, about. How do we view our own self, our yeah. own soul? Um, and that's pretty critical to the way in which we're going to build anything at all. Can you talk about how uh, you personally came to basically redefine your view of yourself yeah. um, and then 
sort of what effect that had on your leadership? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's been huge. And I, I think there were a number of key chapters in my life key moments. One was when I was about 18, 19, and I'd kind of walked away from my faith for a while because I thought it was getting in the way of my social life, to be frank. And <laughs> um, and I was like, you know what, God, we're, it, we're good. Uh-huh. The weird thing is, because I'm a bit of flaky, I couldn't, I couldn't throw God away. <laughs> I'd seen enough. So sure. I just used to talk to him about what I was going to do next and say, just so you know, <laughs> I'm about to go to the pub. I'll see you on the other side. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but I realized, I remember meeting someone and some, and hearing somebody ask the question, why are you the way you are and how have you become this? And it just cut me to the core um, because I knew at that point in my life, all the reasons, everything I was fronting, everything I was presenting were, were, were the manifestations of various wounds. They were the ma- they of were course. my reactions to racism. They were my reactions to a broken family. They were my reactions to being. I grew up in a poor environment, and um, my reactions mm. to how I was perceived. And I just thought I want mm. to be free to be myself. And my first response of that was trying to react to everybody else's um, stereotypes. And I thought, even I don't want to be yes. a reaction to your stereotypes. I want to be me. I want to be whole. I don't yes. want to just survive. I want to be whole. Um, mm. And so m- the first part of the journey for me was me talking through with a, a mentor about just almost like I had a full case and I just had to unpack it all and say, this happened, this happened, this made me feel like this, this made me feel like that. And mm. it was just like breathing out. Um, oh, that man. was a seminal moment for me. Um, I think another chapter in my twenties would have been um, in relation to leadership and realizing I, re- I'd find myself being given opportunities um, by my pastor mm-hmm. at the time. And he was, I mean, he was great. He was really, really good. He would literally step out of the way of things that would give him opportunity and say, oh, Joe's going to do it today. And um, wow. I, know. I mean, it was, uh, and that, that decision, that alone has affected massively how I lead and why I lead the way I do, because it, because I, I think that's what it takes sometimes. You, yes, you need the tool, hmm. you need sponsors, people who will literally get out of the way for you and put, and leverage their opportunity, their privilege, their, their stuff for, for you. And, um, and I remember wrestling with it because I would find myself daring to believe I was gifted at things and then scared of the implications of that gift. Ah, yes. Um, and my main one in that time, I remember him offering me a promotion at one point at work. And we said, I said, you do realize you've just wrecked my love life, don't you? You do realize that. <laughs> I said, who is going to want to marry me now? When <laughs> now I'm just going to be like too strong or too this or too <laughs> the, the other. And, and I think, again, it was just a manifestation of my insecurities at the time. You know, can I be fully myself? Can I bring all that I've desired, uh, all that I've been designed to bear and, and it, it'd be okay. And I think, Jen, mm. I got to a point where I thought I've got to try. I've, uh, you know, we have the gift mm. of one life. Yeah. And, That's right. And God has healed so many things in my life. He has redeemed mm. so many broken pieces. And I'm so grateful, you know, I'm so grateful for what he's given me. Yes. I'm so grateful. Um, it, I really do. When I look at my life, I really would say I was rescued. No, mm. I was rescued. And, and I wasn't just rescued to sit there. That's right. That's right. And, and to, I wasn't just there to sit there and look pretty. I was there for a purpose yeah. and, and free people, free people. And, 100%. um, 
And so I wanted to, I just wanted to give it a go and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to go after it. I'm just going to, I'm going to lead to the fullest extent I know how, and I'm going to make masses of mistakes. I'm going to get this wrong load, but I'm going to, on the, on the other side, let's see what this looks like. And it was, it was just like chains breaking off me because Mm. I was finally not reacting to anybody else. We can celebrate the good things people are doing and, and not feel threatened by it. And I, and I, and I guess for me, when I look at the world around us and the broken pieces of the world around us, they're a bigger fish to fry you know Mm. (laughs) there are other things to do and um and so I think that has helped me massively over the years Mm. in terms of I've I've recognized though that my that character is always more important than gifting you know Mm. that because those are the things that devour us you know whether wherever we are on our on our faith journey for those who you know you see in in well we see in popular culture right now people who've been very talented who've harassed women who have violated women and actually their lives are ashes now their talents are right now. I want to talk about that. I, I, I want to. I want to pick up that thread. Um, you mm. know, we see. We're seeing. It's just an interesting time right now. Um, yeah. Women are being heard in new and incredibly powerful ways. Yeah. Um, and I. Uh, you know, they're saying this won't be tolerated anymore. We we refuse to accept harassment and abuse and exploitation as part of our career path. That yes. in order Amen. for us to c- keep our jobs or succeed in our jobs yeah. even, um, that we are going to have to endure this sort of treatment and it's just part and parcel of the deal. Um, and just to have this whole Me Too movement yeah. standing up and saying, time's up, really, and equally as important, uh, Church Too, the yeah. Church Too movement that's coming um, alongside of this. I just, I'd love to hear your take on this. Um, do, do, have you, what have you seen in your years yeah. of leading leaders, both men and women, um, in this particular conversation? And, and what do you think about this sort of recent movement of how women are being heard and that not just how they're being heard, but what we're seeing right now is some justice, right? We're yeah. seeing um, the consequences of that kind of behavior, not just to, not just to smear your name a little bit or, um, you know, you're in a headline and we'll all forget about it tomorrow when we go see your movie again, you know, but yeah. some, we really are seeing some justice roll down. Um, what, what are you, what's your observation of this time um, of sort of women standing up, being heard and getting justice in this space? I mean, I feel like, I do feel we're in something of a moment, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think of from the marches through to me too, um, I feel we're in something of a moment, but I, and I feel that moment's been rumbling. I mean, as, as you and I know, yes. that me too, before there was a hashtag, Toronto book was saying it for years. Um, of course. Beforehand. And, um, and, and so it, it's like, these things are coming to the surface and it makes me excited and nervous excited mm. because it's time well it's not time it's overdue it's overdue it's yeah. i mean i i watched some of the statements from the from the young women from the olympics team oh yes yeah, so it was just re- and just i mean i can't even begin i can't even begin yes. to think knowing that, that that these are the ones we know of we know about these are the stories That's right. we know about um and and women in the uh, in different industries in multiple yes. industries that's right um, acknowledging their journey and it's 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 heartbreaking and it's wonderful to hear and and that it's public but the thing mm. that i'm nervous about is what w- uh, will we do the dismantling of the infrastructures mm. to actually make lasting change to empower women to be what they're yeah. actually designed to be that's what i want to see Hey 
guys, quick break from the show. I'm super excited to tell you about our sponsor for the Women Who Built It series. So many thanks goes to none other than a company I love, Ever Eve. Co-founded by Megan Tamty, who's also the co-CEO of the company. She was a guest on our podcast just a few months ago. So I'll tell you, for me personally, Ever Eve has been a game changer for my personal style. I know a lot of you can probably relate just between the craziness of schedules in life, like career and kids and social obligations. I wasn't giving much time to my wardrobe and also I'm not that great at it. I need help in that department. And so as a result, I wasn't feeling really good about what I was wearing or how it was fitting or anything. So that is where Ever Eve came in. They gave me a ton of encouragement, um, not only to embrace some different looks that pushed me a little bit, um, but also to work with clothes that complement my body um, and sort of my style. Uh, Ever Eve, you guys, has over 85 stores coast to coast. A a super great website, um, and a personal styling box service called Trendsend, which for those of us non-shoppers comes right to your doorstep. <laughs> so listen, everybody is different, but I know for me, having some help in the fashion department gave me a little extra shot of confidence. So you guys, you can check them all out at evereve.com. And once again, Evereve, thank you for sponsoring this amazing series. I saw a fantastic, um, I don't know if you saw this, um, an interview with Octavia Spencer. A little mm-hmm. while ago, talking about her and Jessica Chastain. And I just saw that yesterday. I mean, phenomenal. And basically where she talks about, I mean, this is a woman who's already won an Oscar. And, That's right. And um, has been nominated multiple times. And who who um, was basically sharing with her sister, her friend and sister, what, um, what she earned. And then together rearranging things and and leveraging opportunity and privilege. And and basically Jessica Chastain saying, I'm not doing this unless we do this right. That's right. Because she exposed a pretty big pay gap. Yeah. Five um, times as much. Yeah. I mean, not just the two of them. So there's this pay gap between men and women. And there's a, then there's a pay gap between white women and women of color, which is even worse. And so these are all structural and systemic. And that's exactly your point. Um, it's, it's going to take more than impassioned public words to tear down those systems. Absolutely. And in some cases, I think it'll be women taking the reins and like, like in the case of, of Jessica and Octavia, where they said, we're going to have our own production company. Yeah. We're going to call our own shots. We're going to refuse to leave the table until we have what we want. And that's exactly what happened. And in some cases, it is absolutely going to require the partnership of good men yeah. who are also just as committed um, to see this inequality broken down. And and it, it, that is, it's going to be hard work. And yeah. it's, this is not easy. And These it, are absolutely, yeah. this is long work. It's hard work. Yes. It's secret work. It's silent work. It's hidden work. Mm. It's not glamorous work and it's daily work, you know, mm. it's, it's, and it, it will cause us all to ask ourselves, we, will we, are we going to be willing to step aside for our own opportunities if it means it's leveraging a group of others? Oh you know? man, that is when the rubber that's meets what, the road. That's when, and, and that's what I loved about, I remember Octavia Spencer saying she, she talked the talk and she walked the walk when she was referring yes. to Jessica and, and that's what it will require of us. And, and if we're uncomfortable with that, I mean, um, 
then we'll have to we'll have to reckon with that. I hope it's a reckoning for us all. What do we turn a blind eye to? What messages? Right. You know, I we both have daughters. What messages have we given our daughters about who they can be and what's acceptable and how their bodies yes. are treated? What what do, how do we encourage them? When do we? So, um, I mean, I'm really into my kids being polite. I'm really into it. You know, I'm a Nigerian. Yes. We respect our elders. It's what we do. I'm a Brit. That's Politeness right. is our kind of other oh language. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So, you have no other path. Do you know what I mean? There is no other path. Yes. But yes. I've had, but equally in the midst of it, I've had to say, you know, Joe, just make sure in the midst of this that you're not silencing these children. It's good. And that, and, and training and that we're actually equipping them to advocate for themselves and to advocate mm. for their bodies, advocate for their ethnicity. Do you know what I mean? Ad, to, um, to challenge things which are unjust um, and that, that they shouldn't feel ashamed of doing that, that they shouldn't I really feel appreciate proud about that. doing that. I appreciate that perspective a lot. I actually believe politeness is an enemy right now to advocacy and, um, mm. and to big systemic changes, specifically in the community of women, um, specifically yeah. in the community of Christian women, because politeness is chief. I mean, it is, yeah. it is valued so highly, um, to be non-aggressive, yeah. non-assertive, non-confrontational, um, just to keep all the, everybody's feelings in check. Yeah. And, and there's a place for that. I mean, I'm not advocating for anarchy, um, but I do think that that priority silences where, where our gut, where our souls are telling us to speak up yeah. and to speak out, but we're too afraid to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's huge. And I, I, I think it's huge because we've forgotten, we've forgotten that anger is actually a secondary emotion. It's about fear or pain. Hmm. And and we and in that moment, when someone's angry, rather than be like, "Oh, you need to simmer down," we we might want to be asking, "What's hurt you, or what are you afraid of?" That's Those may good. be the questions we actually need to ask. I remember being in a similar si a situation. This was um, about a year ago when I was really upset. I was really I was angry about I, something in relation to race, and um, something um, someone had said in in one of the working environments I was in. And one of my friends said to me, he "Goes, would it help if if you said it to them in a in a in a way where you weren't as angry?" And I said, "No." It wouldn't help at all. I want them to know I'm angry because I've done the polite thing for 20 years <laughs> and, yes. and, and this is happening. Why are we protecting how someone hears it when my kid on a bus isn't protected? You know, you know, mm. um, and, it's and he, so I mean, true. my friend heard me and he said, you know what? He said, that's a really good point. Actually. He said, he said, and he, yes. I mean, he turned around completely. He was brilliant. And he said, no, actually he said, he said, he said basically what you said. He goes, I wonder in the name of being polite, we've actually nullified and neutered the significance of right. things that are actually happening. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I really appreciate that so much. I, I completely agree. And I think what I'd love our listeners to be prepared for, which they probably already are, but, um, you know, there are, there are areas right now in our culture that just, uh, I'm so passionate about and I, they upset me so deeply. And mm. I think they affect our neighbors and yeah. they affect the marginalized and the poor disproportionately. And I'm just worried about it and upset yeah. about it. And, and so when I sort of, when I speak out publicly, um, I'm always hoping to do it with dignity and yeah. with, um, discernment, but it's also with feeling yeah. and sometimes anger. A lot of the response that I get specifically from my Christian tribe yeah. is that I am spreading hate. I hear that all the time. Wow. Stop spreading hate. I'm like, no, 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 this isn't hate at all. But I think in a world that prioritizes politeness and and sort of unanimity yeah. over confrontation than anything at all that is, um, 
that challenges a status quo is perceived as hate. That's how far away we are from being from dialogue, right? And from yeah. being able to hear one another. I, it, we have a lot of work to do. I totally, and I think I, I think you're right because I think the sad thing about that is we forget how challenging some of the most challenging words in the Bible really are out of Jesus's mouth. That's you know, right. Some of the most stark. I mean, I read the Gospels and I look and I'm thinking, oh man, did you say that again? I was hoping, like, I did Greek and Hebrew at college. I'm hoping I could have kind of translated that in another way but you really yes. were that stark and that blunt and, and yes he was we've got i think we've got to see redeemed the value of positive confrontation that's good you know we've got to see redeemed the value of those difficult conversations rather than this kind of gospel of comfort and convenience in terms mm. of our language and and that and you know the people that we we love you know i think of some of my most precious relationships and we can say difficult things to one another Yes. And we can say, hey, we don't agree on this, but we're, we're here. And yes. we've, got, we've got to get back to that because, for, again, this neutered version of let, let's all, let's, let's not rock the boat isn't actually seeing the transformation that all of us collectively That's long right. for. That's the thing with, That's with right. our brothers and sisters who avoid confrontation. They want to see things go well. They want to see a happier space, a happier place. What we're saying is this is part of the journey there. And, That's right. and to take it back to what we've been saying about women and, and leading and stuff, we need to have some of these challenging conversations of, do you underpay women? Do you, know what I mean? do you mm. underpay women of color? That's right. Do, uh, That's right. Whatever you theologically believe, are you living up to that in practice? Because I know, mm. <laughs> I have seen, Jen, some spaces where my brothers in Christ who, to talk of our Christian tribe, who would say that they they believe women can do certain positions have done more for That's women right. than other spaces hmm. who, who say hmm. women can do what they want. And, and hmm. it's like, okay, then help me understand what, what that is. Yes. Help, help me understand yes. what that means. I, I really like how you called that um, positive confrontation. And of course um, the opposite of that is obviously what MLK called negative peace, which is no peace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a preservation of the dominant feeling yeah. of the majority. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the distinction that you make so um, eloquently is that positive confrontation doesn't mean, I, I think people hear the word positive and they think it all just feels real um, docile mm-hmm. and very sweet and very, um, um, subtle. And that's not necessarily true because positive confrontation can come with righteous anger. It can come with emotion. It comes with, um, serious backing of feelings. And so I I would love to see us get better at that. I would love to see us not just cower in the face of emotion, yeah. um, but rather lean in. And I like the questions you ask, what is, what's the underlying issue here? What's real and what's true. And, and ultimately how can we be faithful to what we say we believe? I, I, I think these are the questions that can turn the tide. I don't know how you are right now, but I'm looking at our culture and it just, uh, well, it, I don't know. In my adult life, I've never felt it like this. These tremors that are mm. with such polarized community right now and so incredibly angry and yeah. um, willing yeah. to just 
write people off and burn the whole thing down. And I think these things that you and I are talking about, I think this is our way back. Um, if, If enough of us can figure out how to prioritize meaningful dialogue again, positive confrontation, um, and look at the cold, hard facts of what is truly a whole in a peaceful society and how do we get there? I think that might be our only chance. I don't know. What, what's your thought on how things feel right now? I mean, I would say the same that you would say in terms of the tremors and, um, and sometimes I wonder how we find our way back. Do you know, do you know what I mean? How we find our way back. Yes. And, and in, even as we're talking, it challenges me again to think, you know, am I prepared to hear somebody else's anger and to hear the fear huh? and the pain in their voice about, and have I not listened? Where have I not listened? Where have I not heard? Mm-hmm. Where have I not sought to understand? Um, and I think that's just a common conversation I have to keep on coming to. Even, um, even if I land in a different space, am I prepared to do that? But again, I think us being... Um, us being willing to carve those spaces means that we also need to be willing for the sacrifice that that means, the sacrifice of time, the sacrifice of pride, um, the sacrifice that change brings. Um, we'll have to be ready for all of those things as well. And and that right. I think as well, I think sometimes the reason why we want to kind of neatly wrap a bow is because these things just keep on going. And I think it's, yeah. I think the challenge of these things being just taking a lot of long, hard work, not because we're lazy, just because it's tough. We sometimes don't have the emotional right. stamina for some of that sometimes in the midst of everything mm-hmm. else. Mm, that's a great point. Um, and, and I like how you said it earlier. It's not all, um, this work doesn't have a lot of pizzazz. It's slow. It's long. A lot of it's quiet. Mm -hmm. It's silent. It's private. It's, it's just, I think that's the sort of, what would be lovely is a magic bullet, right? To just sort of inject into national dialogue and just fix it. Um, we're way beyond that. At this point, it's going to be 1 million small, quiet conversations across the aisle, um, to start kind of finding our way back to each other. I think I love your uh, wisdom on that. So another thing that you encourage women on, um, and I really like this, I bang this drum a lot too, Mm. uh, is that really no matter what stage of life they end, no matter where they're at, um, where they've been, it's never too late. Yeah right, for a new beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people say this a lot. You and I both say this too. Um, But how would you speak into the the life of a woman who is listening today and thinking, oh man, I've already, I've spent so many years on this Mm. or I've wasted. Some of them are going to think they're wasted. I think no years are wasted, but I've wasted these years or I don't know if I have the energy to reboot. Yeah. Um, or if anybody will even allow me permission, because sometimes when we've been a certain way or in a certain role for so long, it's other people that struggle to let us move forward and change. How would you, how would you speak to her today? Um, I would speak to her. First of all, I'd reassure and say, you know, I would, I would affirm again. I know I'd look her in the eye (laughs) best I could. Um, and I'd say it's not too late and you do get a new beginning. And there are, I'd tell the stories of different women around the world, different, um, for, uh, different women in the Bible who did things and I, and and tried things and and embarked on different journeys and adventures and say you get to do that too and and I'd remind them that the mm-hmm. life that we have is is a gift it is a gift and rather than um, and I'd ask the question if, if there was a chance that you could begin to turn something around would you want it would you want to turn it around because if you want it then I, I would ask if you're ready to to take the next step you know we don't know all the mm-hmm. steps but what's the next step so I'd ask mm-hmm. uh, and I would say who have you got for the journey because I think sometimes one of the reasons why we feel it's impossible is we feel we have to do it alone 
Yes. And we feel like, oh, well, I haven't got the skills. And you're right, you don't. But your sisterhood might, your friendship That's group good. might, your wider family might, um, hmm. the uh, the, the people around you might. And it, that's actually a healthy way to live, to say, to come to people and say, look, I'm trying to take some steps, but I can't do this by myself. I'm, I'm unable mm. to do this. Um, these are the, this is my first step. Would you call me in a week and see how I'm going on my first step? Mm. Uh, and, good. you know, I, I sometimes think when we're talking about transformation, we we see a marathon before us and just think, oh, my gosh, I can't make the marathon. When actually, nice. I, I think the thing I prefer to see it as is like when my kid took her first two steps, I remember, I think she was frustrated at me. I think she was trying to get a bottle or something. And she took two mm-hmm. steps towards me and then fell down. And um, when a baby learns how to walk, you celebrate the two steps. You don't sit That's there right. thinking, oh, my gosh, you'll never run a marathon. You celebrate mm-hmm. the two steps. And I would encourage um I'd say, let's celebrate your two steps. Let's celebrate the step that you want to change. Celebration number one. Let's celebrate the step that you've talked to a friend about it. Celebration number two. Um, Because it's going to be hard enough. (laughs) It's going to be hard enough without any encouragement to give you courage for the journey. You know? That's such good leadership. So I'm thinking about the woman listening to all this today because you're just a, you're a never ending well of wisdom. It is just so deep. And I think there's probably women thinking, where is is all this house? So first of all, a ton of the stuff we've talked about today is in your book, The Dream of You. And by the way, The Dream of You, the title, I love it. The cover, I'm in love. I love the cover. And I wish I could have designed it. I'm really grateful for Kelly. She's amazing. I mean, my gosh. Oh, it's dreamy. It's so dreamy. And the, the content is so rich oh, and it's so powerful. So uh, obviously you're an author. This is your, is this your third book? Um, you know what? I suddenly forgot. It's my fourth. It's, <laughs> it's your fourth book. That's right. I, I don't know either. I honestly don't know. I've, I said the wrong number for years. Um, you're, but you, you, you lead in a lot of capacity. Yeah. So you're obviously an author. Yeah. Um, you travel and speak all the time. You work with an incredible nonprofit um, disciple initiative, which I love, and I've been connected to too. Can you talk about um, 3D and what that space is, and how long yeah. you've been there, and what your capacity is? Yeah, so I chair the board of 3D Movements, and um, 3D Movements is an organization which basically explores how we put the Bible back into the hands of everyday people. And and but mm. and what I often say to pastors is, it's the kind of thing you went back into ministry for because you wanted to empower people to play their part in changing the world, you know, and. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I actually don't have any hands-on, much hands-on work with it now, um, chairing the board and stuff. But there, there are basically hubs in different parts of the country, and we gather church teams again from multiple denominations, um, doing different sorts of things. Um, and and it's wonderful because of the things that accidentally happen as well. The accidental thing is hmm. you have these maybe ten teams in a room who begin as all these different churches, big, small size, bivocational pastors, church planters, all sure. kinds of things. After two years together, because they meet every six months, there's actually you realize these different denominations have been hanging out and become friends and served each other, supported one another, um, praying for each other, listening to one another, learning from one another, um, all because they've been going through this journey together. And that's been a privilege to be a part of. And, um, a privilege to see happen. For me, Jen, I think the thing I love most is I love people seeing, seeing people's lives changed. I just love it. Mm-hmm. And I really believe, I mean, I really, I really do believe in Jesus. I really do believe he turns your life around. And that, when you meet him, you're not the same. I just, you're just yes. not the same. And, that, and again, that it's not, not that it's easy and that it's not just this kind of distant belief system, but that he mm-hmm. actually changes lives. And I, 
And I just think that kind of good news you've got to share. I just feel you've got to, you even do. if they say you're a nutcase, you know what I mean? Even if they, oh, even yeah. if they say, I'm really not interested in what you're talking about. I'm like, mm. at least I told you, friend, at least I told you, then I'm at peace. Do you know um, what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? On that front. And then the, the other leadership space to me is um, the main thing I'm working on now is what I call the ASA collective, which is again, vehicles and mm. initiatives, developing women who lead and, Yes. Basically, I, I say it's to inspire, invest, and ignite women who lead. Um, I love it. And that's women in any capacity of yep, leadership? Yep. And uh, mm-hmm. the last gathering we had, and I, 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 I remember I was texting you about it and sending you pictures. I know. And um, we had women, we had women, some who were in seminary, some who were business leaders, some who were homeschooling mamas. Again, um, women in their mm. 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, grandmothers it. who were getting women out of human trafficking. Um, we had Latina sisters, African American sisters, mm. African sisters, Asian American sisters, um, European American sisters, uh, just all across the board. And the thing is, when you get women in a space and tell them it's okay to be themselves, and they start yes. networking and giving them room to so breathe powerful. together, giving them room to brainstorm together, to speak into each other's lives, challenge each other, it's off the chain what happens. It sure it's just is. just amazing. The things that get done. That motivates me so much. Uh, every word you just said is the gospel truth. Um, you get women in a room, empowered, yeah. free, liberated. And I mean, it's magic. It is. It's just magic what happens in that space. And you foster that so well. Oh, thank you. Um, you are just, you're very, very uniquely gifted in that. Um, in that, not just are you such a good leader of leaders, but you're especially gifted at leading different kinds of leaders and in different kinds of spaces. Now that's, I find that more rare. Oh, um, more rare. Normally people are a little bit more niche yeah. oriented. Um, and yet you can, you can translate all these best practices into three dozen different environments. And it's just so good. It's so good for the health of our community of women. So in addition to all this, you're also podcasting. Yes. Um, <laughs> Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, I um, host a podcast with a friend of mine, um, Steph O'Brien, and it's called Lead Stories, Tales of Leadership and Life. And the heart behind it was, well, me and Steph are always putting the world to rights when we see each other and (laughs) just chatting about all kinds of stuff. And someone said, you should start a podcast. And we're like, that's a good idea, actually. (laughs) And and part of it was we wanted to demystify some of the things around leadership. And and again, in some of it, it's still that heartbeat of how do you, for the women we know, and and it's not only targeted at women, but uh, women are always on my mind. um, but it's basically for basically for the leaders that we know, how do we resource them if they can't afford to go to a conference, if they can't be at an event? Um, how do we get yep. to where people are? And podcasts are just the vehicle for us saying, hey, we wanted to introduce you to some people who are doing some amazing things in the world. We want to inspire you. And, w- and yep. we know that some people are really kind of put off by the word leadership because it comes with so much bag- baggage. So we try and demystify mm, it. And we good point. The language we use is being intentional with your influence. Everybody's got some form of Very influence. Um, mothers, you have incredible influence. Mm. Grandmothers, godmothers, sisters, aunts, friends, um, you have incredible influence. What mm. does it look like to be in? We shape lives. You know, the therapist's office will tell us <laughs> that we all That's have right. influence because, you know, someone's right. on the couch because of us. 
one, one way or another. <laughs> right. And, and, totally. and so we're wanting to basically invest and empower people to be intentional with their influence. And, um, and rather than feel like I've got this, I've got this job and I don't know how to use it for the common good or yes. how do I, there's nothing feeding my soul as I'm trying to feed somebody else's soul. Mm-hmm. I want to bring a glimpse of heaven into this everyday ordinary working space or into my neighborhood and community. And our conversations revolve around that. And it's been so much fun. It's been so much fun to do um, and to know that. Podcasting's fun, isn't it? By the way, everybody listening, on my on the transcript over on my website, which is jenhatmaker.com, we will have all of this linked. Everything, every podcast, every book, every space, every website. So if you heard something you're interested in today, uh, we'll have literally all of it at your fingertips. All right, we're going to wrap up here with three quick questions okay. that we're asking all of our guests in the How I Built It series. Um, And so these can just be kind of like rapid fire, like what comes to mind. So here's the first one. Um, Who in your life, and it could be like in real life or it could be remotely through books and Mm -hmm. podcasts and and remote leadership, whatever, it doesn't matter, uh, makes you a better leader? Who are you listening to? Who do you follow? You know, I listen to a lot of people. Uh I think breadth is good. Um, yeah, I do too. I think Brett, so I couldn't think of one. Um, I like, I, I, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually listen to the, how I built this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. that is, has probably been really inspiring to me. Um, you know, but it's often people I meet, you know, um, it's oft it's often, yeah, I think the people, the in real yeah, life people, like my, my, honestly, I would say this and my, they, they might kill me for saying, my siblings actually would probably be, mm. my, I mean, they are, I have two older brothers and an older sister and I, and we meet every so often, you know, one lives in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and then my, the, yeah. then I live here in the US and the other two live in the UK, but they right. are just such amazing people. You know, some of them mm. are people of faith, some of them aren't. Um, but they are strong and I know our journey as a family, you know, they are strong. Mm -hmm. They are bright. They are sharp. They keep going. They, every time I'm with them, I come away better. You know, I just come away more secure in who I am. They, you you know, like there are people who know you differently, but they just inspire me. They just inspire me so much. So I would say my sibling. What a nice thing to say. I wish I knew your siblings. You love them actually. You'd have so much fun. I know that. I I mean, I follow you whenever you're traveling and you're with them and I'm just jealous. (laughs) I just want to be there with your family, like yucking it up. Like I can tell you are, um, let me ask you, this is the next question. As somebody in leadership, do you consider yourself a good follower and in what ways? Yes. And in what ways? No, I am very loyal. Um, so yes, I would. uh, And I, I, um, you are, yeah, I'm, I love, I actually love serving other people's visions actually and saying, what can, Mm -hmm. what can I do to help you thrive? So to that end, I love it. And, and I'm willing to kind of, if you need me to shut up about this or whatever, (laughs) whatever, I'll stop talking about that. Cause I, I just love seeing other people's dreams come to life. I just, it just, it, for me, when I see that happen, I go to bed happy. I'm like, Lord, this is a good day kind of, kind of thing. So I love that. And, and pouring all my resources into that. Um, mm. I think the things that make me not a great follower is I am intense. <laughs> if we're going to, mm-hmm. I don't know what you mean. I'm not like that at all. If we talk Enneagram yes. speak, I'm an eight, um, which yeah. is um, yep. total. And so sometimes yep. people don't want the degree of loyalty I'm willing to give. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what, Joe, let it go. 
we're good. <laughs> you can leave now. What I, I wish I want everybody listening to know that what you're saying is true, that you really do. You really do. Number one, you are so loyal and you do get fired up behind people's dreams. You do. You've done it. To, this is what I said at the top of the show. That is literally the kind of friend you have been to me since the first day I met you. Oh, thanks. Um, always paying attention and in my corner and giving me just the right bit of fuel in the moment that I need it. Um, and so, by the way, as a fellow, I mean, I'm a three, so I'm up there too in intensity. I'm here for it. Never stop. Yeah. Um, I, there's, you cannot out Joe me. There's not too much Joe. <laughs> Okay. Last one. Last question. We ask everybody this on every show. It's a Barbara Brown Taylor mm. um, quote. Do you read Barbara? I haven't, but I am inspired. I feel I should. I feel like I'm missing out actually. You know why she's good for people like you and I, because we're so demonstrative mm. and we're so out there with our personalities and she's so introspective Ooh. and, and so contemplative that it's good for our like wild personalities. Um, so this is her question. What is saving your life right now? This may seem strange. Um, carpool, okay. carpool is saving my life. <laughs> I know. Please tell me uh, more. I have two girls, one fifth grader, one seventh grader, and I do carpool for various sports and they are just hilarious. They are oh just so wonder. I adore my kids' friends. I adore them. Oh they are gosh. so much fun. And they're like the games, they come up with the lines and they're all really polite. So they call me Mrs. Saxton, which I find hilarious. Of course. It's like Joe yes. is just Joe. But anyway, it's like they call, they're like, Mrs. Saxton, tell me about this today or whatever. And if you listen to a number of their cell phones and you go to voicemail, it'll either be me or my husband's voice because they ask us to, because <laughs> they like the accent. Oh, you're so joking. they ask us to do oh, my voicemails for that them. That is so funny. And, but yeah, I, I just adore them. They're such good girls. They're so vibrant and fun. So different. I adore them. They are, so, I, I actually really look forward to carpooling. They're just, a, they're gutsy, crazy kids. They're brilliant. I love them. That's probably my favorite answer I've ever gotten to that question. I love it. <laughs> and I know exactly what you mean. I treasure the moments I've got a kid and all their friends in the car. Mm-hmm. I just sit up there not quiet and just listen. And I just totally. die. I just <laughs> die. They're so bonkers. I know, right? Just love it. Just oh, love it. Cool. Okay. Um, tell everybody real quick as we wrap, where can they find you? Where are you? How do they follow you? All of it. Yes. Well, oh, well, first of all, I would love to catch up with you all. And um, on the socials like Instagram and Twitter, yep. I'm at Joe Saxton. At, just at yep. Joe Saxton. My website is joesaxton.com and all the things that we've talked about, you'll find links to there. Yep. And then Lead Perfect. Stories podcast, you'll find it wherever you do your podcasting. Okay. Sis, I love you. Love you too, I girl. just, um, you're just one of my favorite people. Oh. I, your leadership and your friendship to me is so important and it matters. And it's, it's just one of those really true, pure relationships that I just hang on to with both hands. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you. Um, thank you for being a good friend to me. And thank you for being on the podcast today. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you. It's been fun to be with you as always. Well, that is the wonderful and the talented, the phenomenal Joe Sexton. Uh, literally, you guys, as I was having that conversation with her, I don't know if you could hear it on the microphone, but I had a pad of paper and I was just scribbling notes. Things that she was saying that was that were moving me and encouraging me and challenging me and making me think about my own leadership. Um, she is just a phenomenal, phenomenal human being and leader of leaders. So again, I mentioned it, but everything we talked about, all of Joe's contact information and her resources and her books and her podcast, I'm going to link all of that over at jenhatmaker.com. 
and you'll be able to follow her on her socials. Uh, she's also hilarious. I mean, we were actually diving deep into some more serious and sober information, but she is so funny and so fun and so wild, um, which is why we get along so well. So um, we've got lots more to come in the Women Who Built It series and some 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 women that I just respect and admire so much that it's, even if only five of you listen to these podcasts, it's such a joy for me that I get to have an hour long conversation with women of this caliber. So um, thank you for listening. Thanks for you guys for subscribing. That's great for podcasts. If you haven't already, um, jump over to iTunes and subscribe or wherever you get your podcast. Um, also, thanks for reviewing and rating it. Another great asset um, for the success of podcasts. And, and just so you know, we listen to everything. We read all of your reviews. We're constantly wanting to improve and deliver to you the best content, the guests you want to hear, the content you're hungry for. So um, we really appreciate when you take the time to do all that and we are paying attention. So you guys, thanks for being here today. Thanks for um, listening in to my conversation with my friend, Joe, and um, look forward to joining you next week. You guys have a great one. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.